a Better World. This is your host, Mitchell J. Rabin, and I'm very glad you're joining us again today. Today we're going to have another very interesting show. The show is going to be my speaking with you about the subject of conscious, compassionate capitalism, or the lotus emerges from the mud. I'll read the description I first put out about this. This evening, Mitchell Rabin takes a look at the positive trends showing up in the world of business through social enterprise companies, B corporations, through the increase of humane and eco-friendly business practices, compassionate and conscious capitalism. Despite appearances, there is a significant upsurge in the number of companies which are purpose-driven beyond a single monetary bottom line and are decline, uh, defining I'm sorry, their mission as being of service in numerous creative ways to serve humanity and Mother Earth. Due to the fact that government is no longer a reliable partner in improving the lives of its people in any kind of reliably principled way, all the greater reliance is placed on the private sector to express ethical, eco-sensitive, and humane values and policies to drive the creation of a better world for all. From the muddy swamp, a beautiful lotus flower has emerged. The values of the spiritual life in business is becoming more and more pronounced. Last week, A Better World TV aired Mitchell's interview with Patricia Aberdeen, author of Conscious Capitalism and co-author of the Megatrends series, last one being Megatrends 2010, which is one of a series Mitchell has done on this vitally important subject. So, voila. Welcome again to A Better World. I mean... Obviously, week by week, and I know many of you come back to listen again from different parts of the world, and it really is uh, wonderful for my heart to know that we have people listening in Aussie land and South Africa and uh, London town and, of course, the United States and different parts of Europe and Asia. It's it's really wonderful because it means, it suggests something, that people are waking up and paying closer and closer attention to what is going on on the planet. They are stepping out of their own lives in some ways, in some measure. Uh, you know, we live, the West has painted a picture of the world as a rich a materialistic one and the more you materialistically acquire the higher your prestige your social position your your asset base has swelled socioeconomically well you know i beg to differ i really do i really don't think that's a very good uh interpretation or definition of self at all I actually think that there are way finer measures, one of which, interestingly, we learn from the wonderful old Buddhist country, Bhutan, who has a measure for, just as we have IQ, they have a happiness quotient, 
we're interested in intellect. Well, thankfully, thanks to Dr. Daniel Goleman, we also have an EQ, or an emotional intelligence quotient. And I think we should have a KQ, which would be kinesthetic, another IQ, which would be an intuitive quotient. You know, let's round this out, man. Let's really get the whole thing kick-started. Maybe I ought to do a kick-start program hmm? for a better world. Good idea. Anyway, what of course I'm talking about is building a larger design, a holistic system of understanding the various aspects of a human being. And that includes intellectual, emotional, kinesthetic, spiritual, and in fact, I did an interview with a woman who had a series of tests for a spiritual intelligence quotient. But happiness is at base, if you will, with them all, and something we really do want to pay attention to. But yes, as I was saying, more and more people everywhere are really getting what we are doing to the planet and what we are doing to each other. And these voices, such as my own, are becoming more and more vocal. Well, if I'm going to be honest, I've been rather vocal for a long time, going back probably, my mother would tell you, six years old. Um, but in uh, sort of more outside of the family real world, I'd say from around age 14, when I became aware of the atrocities of war and the peculiarities of adults who were waging wars as means, I thought then, of resolving conflicts and dispute. I didn't understand, not then, the economic drivers of war, behind war, and I, or the political ones. So I had a little time naively uh, to think that it was only a few silly um, human beings that thought that people just won't talk and therefore we have to go get the commies, so to speak, the pinkos with bombs. Well, you know, that didn't really fly that well or very long with me. Um, I never was behind it uh, at all, I should say, not an iota, not a smidgen, not a nanoparticle. I thought it was horrendous for adults to behave this way when we have words as, oh, you're going to laugh at this one. Please and thank you, and would you kindly pass the salt or the tea? <laughs> Why would people who speak like that actually you know, set off bombs on top of other people's heads, innocent people at that? Well... I think you're getting my message. But let's come full circle here to look at a positive trend that is taking place today, which is really the focus of today's show. And that is this thing we refer to as conscious capitalism, or sometimes compassionate capitalism. It actually goes by a few different names, or 
It's sometimes spirituality in business, humanity in business. You know, it's interesting. I was just speaking to a uh, a friend today, a colleague of mine, and we were both remarking on the origins of capitalism, usually attributed to Adam Smith in The Wealth of Nations. And we both very much stated that Adam Smith was a very principled and ethical man. It was never thought ever that capitalism as an influence on people's thinking would lead to this kind of excessive, egregious greed as it has. But it has. The system itself did not cause it but it has helped in some ways to facilitate it. Or why don't I say it has brought forward some of the lesser desirable aspects of a human being, such as greed, such as unbridled competition, such as profit at any cost, profit before people and planet. And honestly, those phrases alone are enough to actually help to define what can be a working economic system, meaning um, people and planet before profit. If we were as a nation and as a globe to live by that dictum alone, it would set the tenor for a healthy, robust market. Yes, there would be some competition. Some competition is healthy. But not if it's going to cause death and famine. Not if it's going to cause toxicity in humans or animals or in the soil of our precious planet Earth herself. You get it. That phrase, people and planet before profit, when properly interpreted, and I would say it's a little hard not to, I dare say, really does set up a series of parameters, guidelines for attitudes and behaviors. Let's keep it simple. Let's look at one of the things that has emerged from this new trend, which is part of a cycle of rising compassion. It's a cycle which, according to my dear friend David Katzmeyer's calorithmic system, you've heard David on these A Better World Airwaves a number of times, uh, talk about our being at a time, despite appearances, of an increase in compassion, of generosity, of kindness. It's what's called an emotional high coinciding with an intellectual high. Now, I don't have the exact you know, units of measurement, but I do have a sense of these rising and the physical cycle declining, lowering, which means physicality can oftentimes coincide with 
war and the buildup of militaries. Well, you could say, well, what's going on here, Mr. Trump? Aren't you paying attention to the cycles? $54 billion additional to the military budget ain't exactly what we call a physical low. Maybe somebody should explain this to him. David, please. Mr. Trump, White House, Pennsylvania Avenue, go get him. <laughs> go get him, Tiger. Uh, you understand what I mean. Uh these cycles are real, and yet not everything coincides with them in the time frame exactly as we would think or imagine. So let's just recognize that when there is a high, a physical high, one of the things it does, of course, for some, it brings forward this idea of domination or victory. Yet, when the emotional high goes high, I think that there could be a feeling of hollowness with that, a certain vacuity, a certain emptiness that uh, says doesn't really mean much. I mean, what have we won? We've killed thousands of people. We've maimed others. Landmines are everywhere. Innocent children have died. Others are impoverished. Others cannot go to school. Others have no parents any longer. What am I victorious over? What have I actually won? So sometimes it seems that human beings do not use forethought, which came to us originally in the West through the myth of Prometheus. Prometheus actually means in ancient Greek forethought, as Epimetheus means afterthought. It seems that we are more like the dunser Epimetheus. And we learn only in hindsight. We cannot effectively project and say, oh my God, if I did this, that, and the other thing, the consequences of those actions are going to be horrendous, absolutely horrendous. And the way we have from our ancestors here on Turtle Island, the native peoples of America, we have learned to think seven generations down. You want to talk about a creative mathematical exercise. Just imagine seven generations forward. It's an extraordinary mental exercise. Only halfway there, you are already taking incredibly good care of Mother Earth and all of her creatures, one-legged, two-legged, three-legged, four, you betcha. Everyone is cared for and attended to with a sense of sacredness and a sense of respect. So, taking for granted now that we really do see a trend in business of people saying, wait a minute, this is costing us too much to pollute. We have to clean it up because uh, there are some teeth remaining in the law, 
at least if we don't have much of an EPA anymore, we do have the Clean Air Act and the Clean Water Act, thank God. And I'm just talking about the United States of America right now because the EPA, through Scott Pruitt, is becoming virtually eviscerated. I don't know what y'all think over there in Australia, England, France, Germany. Well, we have some idea of what Germany thinks. Uh, South Africa, other parts of Africa, South America, and Central America. About the United States right now. But we have become a sad, sad story in the uh, fight uh, for freedom, liberty, happiness, and ethical standards that protect the earth and protect each other. And that's why this new trend in business called social enterprise is really so very, very important. I want to read to you one of the things that has emerged from this new sensibility. People have been brainstorming new types of corporations that are not just about maximizing shareholder profit in the shortest amount of time, where you get the quarterly share price as being the driver of a corporation, and therefore the stock market gains precedence over all other types of thinking and valuation. Oh my God, what a sad state that is. And whoever defined that has to be chastised, and we have to come to new understandings. In fact, I rewrote the corporate mission statements, God, 20-some-odd years ago, that was a little bit more like what we see represented in what's called the B Corporation, which stands for Benefit Corporation. And hear this. In the United States, a benefit corporation is a type of for-profit corporate entity authorized by 30 states to date and Washington, D.C., that includes positive impacts on society, workers, the community, and the environment, in addition to profit as its legally defined goals. You know, I'm going to dial back. I would actually want to improve that, too. That's not as rich. It's not in addition exactly, but rather I would put it this way, thusly. I would put it that a corporation's goal is to be of service to its community and to the planet from which profits can and frequently are and should be derived. Here, people and planet are really situated first. And profit, utterly important, monetary profit, utterly important, is a byproduct of quality service, quality product, zero waste, treating employees and staff 
properly, which will lead to higher productivity, happier people, meaning a, a happiness quotient that would be the envy of even Bhutan. This is possible. The building of cooperation and teamwork. This makes what's called work fun, and it takes the work out of work. That's where we're going because embedded in the B Corporation, embedded in the social enterprise company is value system, a humane, eco-friendly, eco-sensitive, sustainable value system. So what we do every day is driven by a sense of purpose and a sense of meaning. It is by definition humane. And to be humane, actually, in itself, a broader definition, is to be kind to what it is that creates and sustains human life, which is the earth. So if you want to think of it that way, that caring for the earth is essentially a logical extension of caring for our fellow human beings, our brothers and sisters, think of it that way. Everyone has their own orientation, and any of it is fine. Some people uh, focus only on humans without recognizing that we are only able to be here when our planet is properly taken care of. Other people say, you know, human beings have been so disappointing to me for so long. They so frequently err on the side of the greed and the powerful and the 1%, etc., etc. Um I'm going to simply focus on taking care of animals and mammals and fish and sea life and the earth herself. And yes, human beings will, you know, subsequently be helped. But the emphasis is on the other, not the human. Look, that's an individual matter. I believe that we should be, even in the face of which we all as humans experience, we still embrace human beings and give it, you know, the old college try. I want to let you know you are listening to Mitchell J. Rabin here on A Better World. We are on every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m., although I very much know that you all listen really in archive to podcasts at your leisure. (laughs) And you know what? That's a beauty of what we have today online, you know. We can pick and choose as we wish and according to our own schedules. And dang, I think it should continue that way. Uh, I mean, it's always a pleasure to have people listening live, and we do have that as well. But the bulk of people we have find found, and our statistics indicate that we have an increasing number of women listening to us, which is pleasing, but I want everyone to listen, because that's what grows our community and grows intelligence and, and education among so many, you know. I feel like women have, you know, just as indigenous people in so many lands, sort of understand intuitively how to be with each other, how to treat each other, and uh, how to treat the planet, our dear Gaia, Pachamama. You know, 
um, and men are, tend to be a little less connected. After all, women are connected to the earth through their menses, through the the waves in the ocean, the tides and the activity of the moon. Women are kind of gutturally connected. Um, you know, that they are the ones that birth and their hearts just tend to be more available to the beautiful emergence of the feminine energy, the yin energy of our universe, not just our planet. And men have all of that, not the menses, but they have the heart. Yet, it seems like it tends to be a little bit more armored and a little more distanced and there tends to be more of an emphasis in the male gender across the planet on left brain digital logical sequential thinking rather than the intuitive creative and spatial thinking often associated with the right hemisphere I know you know what I mean, and I know you know that you agree by and large, and you know, indulge me. It's a generalization, and there are countless exceptions to the rule, as well they should be. But by and large, I, uh, I'm grateful for all who listen, no matter what your gender may be. Or age, for that matter. I love that people of all, really, actually all ages, millennials, right on up to the old hippies. It's fantastic. I'm holding in my hands a book based on an interview I did some years back that you can find at abetterworld.tv under the name Hunter Lovins or Boyd Cohen. Boyd, B-O-Y-D, Cohen. Um, and Hunter Lovins is the former, the ex-wife, as we say, of Amory Lovins, who is one of the countries and really one of the world's um, exceptional, pioneering environmentalists. He's got the Aspen Institute in Aspen, Colorado. He has been just a, a leading pioneering voice, as I said, in the environmental movement and in looking at energy efficiency and looking at renewable energies and the like. Well, I'm sure they did it. They were both very engaged together, but um, Hunter has been doing consulting uh, on her own for many, many years and wrote this book called with Boyd Cohen called Climate Capitalism. Capitalism in the Age of Climate Change. And it's very interesting because what we see is that the big, bad corporations, you know, the oil companies, are actually exceedingly interested in energy efficiency, in let's call it green thinking, um, in paying attention to energy waste, therefore efficiency, and wanting to do things in a sensible, thoughtful, business-efficient way. Yeah, Chevron is one of the largest purveyors of geothermal in the world. 
Now, who would have thunk that unless you happen to have read it or heard it on A Better World or on any of my other um, alternative radio or uh, media channels that are available? Democracy Now!, Progressive Radio Network of Gary Knowles. There are numerous uh, outlets to get good news. Uh, Good News Planet, Paul Slotkus, uh, there are many, thankfully. So I wanted to say kind of a, I realized early in my life that really underlies a lot of the thinking of creating a renewable energy um, um, economy, which many of us are working at in the United States diligently with about $7.4 trillion invested in the green renewable economy. And believe me, it's not going to go backward just because we have a couple of backward folks in the White House. It is not going backward. It is going forward with more gusto than they have any idea. And they are the aberration right now seeking to push forward coal and more fracking and more oil. They are in the minority. Most Americans recognize the value of a renewable energy, solar and wind and geothermal and micro mini hydro based economy. In other words, using the abundance, abundance of natural plenitude. How's that for a way of putting it? Natural plenitude. Photons are hitting us by the millions every moment. Yeah, it's true. And uh, my dear friend and colleague Hazel Henderson has been one of the most brilliant and vocal voices the solar age, out of which has emerged something interesting called the solar coin. Now, I'm sorry, I don't know a whole lot more about it, but I did want to bring its existence to your attention. There's an entire movement to recognize the value of solar thinking, if you will, alighting our beautiful Earth. It's a funny way to put it, right? Um, But you understand my point. And why would you want to dig down deep into the ground at enormous expense on every single level? Danger, uh, explosions, pollution galore, when you have photons hitting the planet, hitting your own body, every single nanosecond of every single moment of every single day, just saying, use me, use me. And so we have increasingly efficient, intelligent types of panels, the designs, the shapes, the materials, all of this is in Um, extraordinary transition right now. We have so many good minds and hearts working on the creative development of finer and finer solar uh, panels and methods of storage that it just 
it changes the game. We have solar paint, for instance. We can paint the roads. Uh, we can paint. Um, it just goes on and on. It's just brilliant, and it's getting ever more brilliant. And um, it's a pleasure. The efficiency is increasing while the price is decreasing. And the same is happening in wind. They actually complement each other in some really wonderful, creative ways. Geothermal is also almost always there in large swaths of our planet, as well as the use of microhydro units, which can be placed in the in the water, in rivers, sometimes that are only three or four feet deep. I know, because I've worked on these kinds of um, technologies with those companies and these kinds of projects, and I have some partners that are out in the world actually primarily doing this kind of uh, microhydro work in Africa in a very sweeping, very interesting and productive way. Um, other projects are happening, one that I have been involved in as well, of infrastructure size battery storage for wind and solar, which involves something called pumped seawater hydro, pumped hydro. It's the building out of an upper pool, if you will, not altogether far from a larger body of water like an ocean. And we're looking to do something like this in Baja right now as we speak. It's a project that is in the earlier stages of development. And this second pool, which would be at an elevation, you know, in some kind of mountain range, would receive water being pumped to it from the ocean and one could use solar and wind for the energy to do the pumping. And once it gets up there, then on demand, through rather massive turbines, it comes streaming down in massive quantities, that is the water, yes, and generates electricity for what could be rather significantly large regions of the world. And we've added another brilliant aspect to it, which is desalinated water, which in itself costs a lot of money. But when you combine it with what we refer to as the battery storage for renewable energy, wind and solar, etc., you have saved some 40% of the cap. This analyzed by one of the largest engineering firms in the world. And not only did they said, say it can work, but it will work, and they want to partner with us in the creation. All right, that gives you some idea of the engineering as well as the entrepreneurial spirit behind it and the excitement about providing electricity through renewables, and water to those places that are drought-ridden currently or drought-prone or will be down the road. That could be, of course, Mexico, but it could also be and will be Southern California, Nevada, and other 
uh, states in the U.S. of A. We've also explored doing something like this in the Middle East, in Jordan, in um, in Egypt, in Israel. The potential is fantastic. So this is the kind of thing that's going on, and I'm bearing witness to it in uh, you know in not just the passenger seat, but in some ways the the driver's seat as well. And I've got to just tell you, it's very very exciting. And it's exactly what needs to happen for us as a planet to thrive. You know, we love to point the fingers to corporations. We love to point our fingers to capitalism. We love to point our fingers to government. All of these things are in our way. But I want to beg to differ. We can perceive it that way. And there is some matter of truth there. Some. The real thing that's in our way is the fixed mind. The real thing that is obstructing future progress is fear gives rise to greed. And greed leads to greater acquisitiveness and to gathering and to storing for a small proportion of the species. And that doesn't work. That's what leads to a broken system. It's this fear, which is a reptilian function, which comes from not feeling one has enough or even deeper, feeling that one is enough. And you will very appropriately ask some questions like, well, why would somebody feel that way? Were they not loved as children? Or did they not perceive that love? Did they not interpret their experience as being loved and themselves as lovable beings? Well, when you start to have conversations like this, you start to get warm. You start to really enter the space of what creates and shapes human beings. It's in their childhood. Thank you, Dr. Sigmund Freud. Thank you, Dr. Carl Gustav Jung. Thank you, Dr. Adler. Thank you, Dr. Roberto Azagioli. Thank you, Dr. Wilhelm Reich. Thank you, Dr. Otto Rank. These are just some of wonderful spirited minds and creative thinkers that help to lay some of the groundwork for later psychoanalytic and psychological psychotherapeutic thinking. Then there emerged the prenatalists looking at life literally from the zygote forward to the emergence of the, the head through the womb and into this so-called outer atmosphere, this other dimension. And prenatal thinking and the whole domain of conscious birthing brings a whole lot to the table as well. Because we realize that 
we are but a continuum of life that began then. And if you want to try to understand and explain the bizarreness of so much of adult behavior, oftentimes what could reasonably and definitely be called pathological behavior, which is arising from pathological thinking and aberrant belief systems, such as I am not lovable or there is not enough for everyone, like nature made that mistake? I don't think so. So when we get a handle on this pueril thinking, infantile logic, and we can start to upgrade it, we have a different world awaiting. To the extent that we allow this primitive thinking, primary process, truly primitive thinking, to dominate, to that extent, we will get more of the same. We will get the Trumps and the Bannons in office. Well, some people refer to him as President Bannon, just like Karl Rove was behind Trump. I, I mean, um, G.W. Bush, excuse me, uh, you know, called Bush's brain, you know, and this is sometimes called Trump's brain. And, you know, no matter who the personages are, they are, on one hand, disrupting a lot. That's not all bad, except for that it's disrupting uh, to further promote white supremacy. I mean, how bizarre is that? And prejudice, and bias, and bigotry, and hate. We don't have room for this kind of nonsense anymore in adult life. We have to progress beyond this kind of pettiness. It's embarrassing at this point in time. And the good news is that there really are a lot of people, and I'm going to dare say an increasing number of people everywhere who are standing up for their own values. They don't need the approval of anyone. They are generous in soul, in action. Um, by the way, being generous can be giving a fishing rod instead of a fish. By the by, you know, one has to define these things for oneself. But it is important to realize that there's so much going on. There's so much happening in the financial markets as well. There is, uh, you know, what has been going on for decades at this point of the socially conscious mutual funds and investment funds, the Calvert Fund for one. And Gordon Davidson, who has been a guest on A Better World Radio and TV a few times over the years, uh, was in organically, he inherently involved, was one of the pioneers in developing the first socially conscious mutual fund. So he's not really a new idea. I actually would rather say it's a rather old idea that is seeing a revival that's being refined. We have a greater understanding of the role we humans are playing in pollution of our uh, desecration 
of our planet, the cutting downs of massive amounts of forests in the Amazon, in the Congo, the lungs of the earth between the two of them, uh, what we're doing to pollution of our rivers and our oceans and plastics in the ocean is the killing off of fish. It is so horrendous. And what I'm suggesting is that there is an almost equal counterforce of action taking place through corporations, through business to counteract these horrendous forces. And what I was saying earlier is that we cannot rely on government, especially this government these days. We cannot rely even on state or local governments. We have to rely on ourselves and our own wits, our own resources, and our own ability to generate a sustainable income by by doing, providing good products, zero waste, happy employees all the time. <laughs> That's what's happening. And it really is happening. And even my dear friend I mentioned earlier, Hazel Henderson, told me when I was at a retreat down in Florida with her in November, that even the accounting firms, the big accounting firms are recognizing that the only bottom line is not money. They've actually expanded it to include these other variables that I keep harping, harping on of treating employees fairly and reasonably, of treating the earth properly, ecosensitively, so that there isn't more pollution and therefore greater, let's say, legal penalties and fines or lawsuits or greater respiratory diseases or any other kind of medical ailments which ends up costing uh, the taxpayer and the state and the government far more money because we've got to clean this act up at the same time as generating profit from coal Oh, fracking? Oh, come on, man. So what I also started to say before, before I interrupted myself, was that to be a true quality entrepreneur and to look out at the world of energy, okay, let's focus on that for a moment. We see that the plethora the infinitude of photons, of water currents, of wind is so massive. And coal, oil, gas, shale are not massive, but finite over the long term. That if you want to build a solid economic structure, which one are you going to go with? If you always have to be looking over your shoulder because you've done something wrong, you've polluted the soil, you've polluted the nearby river, you've polluted the ocean, think BP, think Exxon, 
Valdez, and so many others think um, Fukushima goes by using these other energy sources. All of the problems with Iran and having to make that deal, all of it would be averted. I wrote an article for the Huffington Post back then when that deal was being negotiated. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why don't we just buy a bunch of solar panels and wind uh, turbines? I know where to get them for Iran or give them a zero interest loan to acquire these and get rid of nuclear altogether. You don't even need it. You're way better off without it. Aren't we learning that here with Indian Point? You know, what is it, 19 miles away from the epicenter of Manhattan? Thanks anyway, Bob. I don't think nuclear is such a hot idea. And, you know, it's so, believe it or not, grasp why to go renewable and why to take good care of people instead of what has become the greed-based reptilian brain-based acquisitional model of me over you instead of me with you. I and thou are one. That's the direction we need to go. And thankfully, more and more people see that and have gotten the message. So I want to just say that uh, it's important. I'm working on another project, uh, at least marginally, that involves changing Wall Street, changing the headset, and changing the practices of Wall Street when it comes to this kind of excessive, boundless greed and self-service. And I am fortunate enough to know a few people who are building a hedge fund which has charity, its heart, and part of its mission statement that X amount of percent of profit is going to go toward um, toward uh, charities. And so anyone who is participating, even if hedge funds decide to participate in this hedge fund, because it can also be making more money uh, percentage-wise, a greater rate of return, uh, it will be bringing, even if by default, these larger hedge funds into the charitable mindset and the actual dollars being contributed to help deal with such horrendous, atrocious issues as human trafficking, sex trafficking, um, and all of the horrific things that are going on, the serious social injustices so many of our brothers and sisters are experiencing, so much of the insult we are uh, just uh, putting on Mother Earth. She's constantly being challenged to clean up the water, and while currents are changing and sea water, uh, sea levels are rising, it's just horrendous, and we really need to look holistically at the larger picture of what it is that's going on so we can do what we can even though we have passed a series of tipping points 
we can still do something. It's slipping out of our hands, my friends. I'm not kidding. But the game is not over. There is magic and there are miracles. And our prayer, our actions, our attitude of love and compassion, of respect toward each other and toward our planet actually changes the energy of even a lot of the harm we have done. Yes, it's true. I'm one of those. I do believe in miracles. I do believe that massive change can occur, even planetarily, planetarily, materially, with our Earth, with the change in massive human collective attitude change, prayer, apology, and making peace, neutralizing the toxic energy, negative emotional energy, as well as changing our actual literal practices. So on that note, I want to just thank you all for listening again. This is Mitchell J. Rabin for A Better World. I so appreciate your attention and your taking this uh, show and forwarding it to your friends and your relatives and your family and your foes and your colleagues. Yes, even your foes. Let them think what they wish and throw tomatoes if, it, if they'd like or agree because these are very basic common denominator human discussions and uh, there's not really a whole lot of holes you can poke in the logic because after all, ultimately it's about uh, caring for each other and caring for our planet and there is a plenty of money being generated plenty in doing things right and I would say and I have been saying for decades more money by being in renewable and not doing things with with uh, oil and gas and coal that's a headache it will be giving and has given migraines and it has caused a geopolitical construct that is hell on earth and it's all based on distrust and gimme 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 instead of wow we have a lot let's share it all and there's still plenty for us we here at home in our own respective living room and kitchen Okay, I think you got the message. Yeah, please spread the word. And if you haven't yet signed up for our newsletter, please do so at www.abetterworld.net, abetterworld.net. And we're involved in a new enterprise here at A Better World called Modere, M-O-D-E-R-E.com. It's actually all over the United States. It's all over Australia, and it's soon coming to England and Europe, and I think it might be in pockets of Europe already, and then it will be followed by Central and South America and other parts of Asia. But it's a wonderful, wonderful series of products that help people feel young and beautiful, 
with healthy joints and collagen and connective tissue, all the things we need to vital and alive and ways of keeping, uh, taking care of your home, um, all that are chemical-free and toxin-free and companies been at it for a long time. If you go take our discount code, you'll get $10 off immediately anything you buy, whether it's for $10 or for 100 or for 1000 And you can pass that on to others or have your own code to pass on to others, which will yield you the benefit of credit for a following purchase. And it actually is a way of democratizing the economy. So we here at A Better World are very into it. Our discount code for you is J268018. That's the letter J and numbers 268018. That corresponds with a better world. And if you go to moder.com, M-O-D-E-R-E.com, and you want the BioCell, which is the kind of highest end of their product line, go under Modern Collagen Sciences to order. Uh, it's a little bit more money, but boy, does it pack a punch. I drink it every single day. And I put some on my face and on my body, et cetera, et cetera. And I am just beginning to buy some of the other Moder products. And I'm very, very happy that I am. And I want to include y'all in on the fun. And if you have any questions about that or anything else, I love to hear from you at mjr at abetterworld.net mjr at abetterworld.net. I love to hear your thoughts and feelings and opinions and how much you enjoyed the shows and what you have to share with me and even suggestions for guests. I'm open to listening. We have a Better World Promotions. There's a whole like uh, fee schedule we have for that as well. And we are also on the lookout for appropriate sponsors for a better world as well. So uh, let people know. We also have a series of our own uh, energetic balancing programs, the Harmonic Energetic Balancing Program. You can contact us about it. It's a $600 a year uh, thing, and then it goes down $50 per year, down to about, I think, 400 uh, or so, something like that. Um, So you save a couple of hundred dollars a year. Stay on it and stay with us. We've had people all over uh, Europe, all over the world, Australia, and elsewhere be on our Harmonic Energetic Balancing Program here in New York. All we need is your demographic information and a photograph. We don't even really need that. But we prefer to have it. It just grounds the energy. And we uh, have a very interesting software program, which in effect bathes the holographic image of you with frequencies from homeopathic remedies, 
from flower essences, from essential oils, herbs, and your own language, i.e. your own affirmations. And these are swirling about you every single day through our program 24-7. It's very interesting, and we've gotten beautiful results for people. And we've got a family discount and pet discount and all sorts of things. And if money's ever a problem, just let us know. So that's all for this evening. Thank you again for your rapt attention. As I say, do spread the word. It's just so good to have a growing number of people listening. And click on all of our stuff on our website and even here on Blog Talk Radio because it helps us immensely. So thanks again. This is Mitchell J. Rabin for A Better World. And I look forward to seeing you all next.